Thank you for tuning into this podcast. This live presentation of the Word of Yah was presented by Senior Pastor Omar Tebow of Philadelphia Christian Church in South Louisiana. Visit our website, philadelphiacc.org, to learn all about us. Our hope is that this message would leave you changed and made better all because of it. Shalom. Was doing, she was with Lot and the rest of the kids. They was all in the same place. But the worldliness was on the inside. She had loved Sodom. And she loved Gomorrah. And her husband was there right with her. They raised their kids and that. And Lot didn't love it, but she loved it. The kids didn't love it, but she loved it. How can you be in the same place, enjoying the same things with people, and they love the world and you don't? How, how does that happen? Because it's an issue of the heart. You see? And the Bible tells us when she looked back, she became a pillar of salt. You see? And the reason that God did that is, is that since she yearned for Sodom, since she craved Gomorrah, since she wanted to be with them so bad, God said, be with them then in destruction. Be with them in fire and brimstone. Be with them. And we have to be careful not to love this world like that. Because in the end, it too will be destroyed. And all those who love it going to be destroyed with it. Come on, give y'all some glory. Hallelujah. In 2 Timothy 4 and 10, For demons had forsaken me, having loved this present world. Having loved this present world. Now I'm going to slow down right here for a second. Because we all have nice things, y'all. We live in America. It's one of the richest nations on earth. And so I dare say we all have things that we can, we can enjoy. We all have things that we like. Huh? But the question tonight is, do I love any of those things? Huh? Well, let's just do a little soul searching tonight before we move on. How do I know when I love something that's of the world? And how do I know I love the world? I'm going off my, my, my text. We just going to flow. I tell you when I get to something I need, but we just going to flow. How do I know when I love this world and the things of it? One, when it's all you talk about. When it's all you talk about. All you talk about is the clothes, the cars, the houses. And people around you know it. Anytime they want to start a conversation with you, they're going to talk about something that's in this world. Your conversation about that is way more than your conversation about the Lord, about Jesus, even about your family. You want to know the latest truck, the latest house, the latest this, and the latest that. It's a good indication when something has captured your heart. For out of the abundance of the heart, the what? The mouth speaks. See, those that have it and it don't have them, they're not always talking about it. It don't really matter to them. You get the new car, John, you have it, you have those, it don't really matter. Sure, you enjoy it, John. I see you black on black. You're doing good, baby. Sure, you enjoy it, but everywhere you go, you're not going to be talking about it 24-7. Funny thing about a person that don't really love the world. You, you, you want something bad, then you get it, and then what happens? Okay, I got it. 
You know what I'm saying? Because we know it can't really fulfill us. We don't talk about it all the time. We're not boasting about it all the time. We're not bragging about it all the time. We just have it, and it's good. A good indication. When something has captured your heart, you talk about it all the time, and that's the world. That's the world. Another indication that you love it is when you think about it all the time. You could be sitting in church right now. You're thinking about them granite countertops you got. <laughs> Are you thinking about that house? Or you're thinking about them clothes? Are you thinking about that money? And we're going to get to money here in a second. All right? You know what God wants to captivate our thoughts? Him. Amen. Hallelujah. That's, who, that's who he wants. Our thoughts on him. You see? When our mind is stayed upon Jehovah, that's what the most thing is. He just wants us to be fixated on him. If you fixated on the thing... It's a good indication in your thoughts that the, world un the world's got you. See, because as a man thinketh, so is he. If you think like a worldling, then you are a worldling. You see what I'm saying? Because the people of the world, that's all they talk about, huh? And that's all they think about. And we got to be different. Come on, give y'all some glory up in this. Hallelujah. I'm just giving y'all some stuff I wrote on the way here. Hallelujah. Look, watch this. Watch this. How do I know when I love the world? When you do more to get the world than you do to get heaven. When you do more, more to get the world than you do to get heaven. What you mean by that, Pastor? Man, you're more about that money than the Messiah. You're more about them things, huh, than the truth. You ain't reading your Bible like you're trying to grind. You ain't praying like you're trying to get this article of clothing. You ain't in the house of God like you at the house of work. Then people can't keep you from work. You go to work with COVID. Don't tell nobody, y'all. I'm just going, I'm just going to go in. I, I won't breathe on nobody. Listen, you're trying to make it over there. Oh, yeah. It get a little cloudy on Tuesday. Y'all ain't coming over here. Y'all ain't coming over here? Yeah. You see, when you really love God and the things of God, you make every effort to be in the house of God more than you be in the workplace. Why? Because you know it ain't a job that's providing for you. You know that ain't a job. You know that ain't a job. It's the most high that's providing. He give you the, he give you the job. He give you the strength to go on the job. He give you everything, the business deals, everything. So, so for us that know that and love God, guess what? We served him. We, we coming, listen, we, we coming in the house of God. We coming in the house of God. We making more effort to do the things of God than the things of the world. And listen, the world have you when you're pushing harder for it. When you're pushing harder for it. When being rich is your goal, more than being saved, more than being righteous, more than being prayerful, more than being anointed, more than being called, more than being a deacon, a deaconess, more than being a pastor. Listen, you want the world more than all that other stuff. It's a good indication that your affections might be in the wrong place. You see? It's a good indication. And listen, I'm telling you, there's nothing wrong with being rich, no. There's nothing wrong with being blessed. You see, but everything has an order, y'all. Yes, yes, yes. 
And if you don't, come on, give God some glory. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. I'm, listen, man. I'm telling you. Listen. This is my life over here, man. I come to this house of God, man. Ask Sabrina, man. She'll see me more here than over there. This is my priority, man. Now, I make money over that, true that? But this is my priority right here. You see what I'm saying? It? And if ever it came where I had to let one go, you know which one I'm going to let go. I done did it already. Have I done let it go before? I let it. It don't even matter to me. I done put Isaac on the altar already. And he done gave me Isaac back and said, now nah, I know that you love me. You understand what I'm saying? That's all God wants, Tyrone. That's all he wants. Who we love the most. You see what I'm saying? And he going to test us, man. And so that agape can't be on the things. It can't be on the world. Watch this. Watch this. When we disobey God to get that stuff, them shoes, them clothes, them houses, them things, that money, we lie for it, steal for it, cheat for it. We go down the commandments breaking every single one. Thou shalt not steal. I steal for it. Do not bear fault with it. I'm going to lie for it. When we break in God's laws to get the world, it's a good indication that we love the world more than we love God. No man can serve two masters, the Bible says. Either he's going to hate the one or love the other. Y'all still up up in here? Huh? We just flowing. And they just typing that up as we go. Come on, listen, y'all doing a great job. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. In this world, they kill, they steal, they do everything for it. Do you love the world? Huh? Like demons love that world. Now, listen, I'm about to, I'm about to throw, up our, throw up our notes a little bit. All right? All right? I'm going to come back to this deep point, but I'm going to go inside the deep point and pull some things out of it that I feel fit right now. All right? God is so bent on us not loving the world, he don't even want us to be friends with it. In James 4, 4, he said, because we talk about demons loved it, God don't even want us to be friends with it. All right? In James 4, 4, he tells us, he says, you adulterers and adulterers, adulterers, know you not that friendship, the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore shall be a friend of the world is the what? Is the enemy of God. So y'all, we could be in the world. We can have the things of the world. But we can't love it. And we can't be friends with it. Isn't that something? That's what God expects out of us. Huh? That word friend in the Greek means that we be fond of the world. That we wish the world well. Be blessed. Continue forever. That's not the heart of a believer. We know that a day is coming when this world and everything in it is going to be burned up. Anybody hear me up in here? But you can tell when your heart has a friendship with the world, when deep inside you want this thing to continue forever. 
And when we talk about judgment and we talk about the Lord coming back on the deep, deep inside of yourself, you say, ah, what am I going to do with them shoes then? Well, I, I got a nice house and I got this car. I, but I'm having so much of a good time with the things I have right now. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying up in here? It can't be a love. It can't be a friendship. When the Lord come back, listen, we got to, we got to, man, we got to leave that stuff like it, like it, like it's nothing, man. We got to be like, bye. It has no attachments to us. No attachments to us. That's deep, huh? Oh, yeah. And let me tell you something. Just like you, I want nice things. You hear me, Isaac? And it, it don't matter how, how nice it is, but my heart can walk away from it at any time. You understand what I'm saying? That's what God want out of us, Michelin. And, and if, we, and if, and if, he, if, if he produces that in us, a love greater for him, he'll let you have anything you want on this earth. He'll let you have anything you want on this earth because he knows that your love for him is pure, is unfeigned, is not touched or tapped into by anything of this world. You see what I'm saying? You in it, but you're not of it. And it's not in you. You see? That's what God wants. That's what God wants. You know, hallelujah, one of the great things, and me, Isaac, and Amigo went, went, went do a little fishing. Hallelujah. And when you do fishing, Hallelujah. And you're not casting, you're getting hooked in the rocks like I was, you know, but, but you're catching fish, huh? Funny thing about salt water or, or brackish water fish, they, they could live in salt water their whole life, but the meat not be salty. Did you hear that? When you catch a red fish or a saltwater fish, you never cook it and, and say, that's salty meat. It's in salt water, born in salt water, live his whole life in salt water, but on the inside of it is not salty. All right? That's what God wants out of us in the world. We born in it. <laughs> we walk around in it. But nothing get on the inside, heavy. You see? We keep our heart pure. We keep it after him. All right? I'm going in. I'm going in. Hallelujah. So listen, what God expects out of us, I could be in it. I provide for my fam. I take care of my people. I'm leaving an inheritance for my children. <laughs> what God wants out of you, you blessed. Huh? You, 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 you enjoying yourself. You live in a nice place. You drive something nice. Hey, God but you never love it? You don't mind leaving it when it's time to go? You're not a friend of it, trying to hold on to it? You for sure not no Lot's wife looking back yearning for it? Worldliness is loving it. You see? It's loving it. Now I'm going to talk about money here for a second. Because money is of the world, all right? And a lot of people misquote the scripture. 
And at least grace, they won't say, money is the root of all evil. And that's not what the Bible says. It's not what the Bible says. So as Hebrews, we let everybody else have money, but we don't want no money because we think money evil. So we broke <laughs> while the rest of the people getting there. The Bible tells us clearly in 1 Timothy 6.10, it's not money that's evil. Oh, no. It's the love of money. It's the love of money. Are you seeing what I'm saying here? No, you can have a billion of it and never be evil. Oh, <laughs> Thank you, Miss Saul. I appreciate it. You can have a trillion of it and never be evil. God has all of it. And God is not evil. You hear what I'm saying? Money is amoral. It's neither good or bad. In fact, what money really is the Bible describes it as, it's a tool. So it's no different than the Phillips screwdriver that's on your, on, on, on your, on your table or the wrench. Huh? Money is a tool. How you going to pick that up? You walk in, somebody got a crescent wrench in their hand, you say, they're evil because they got a crescent wrench. A tool could never be evil. A tool can be used to do evil. But that still don't make the tool evil, but only the person who's wielding the tool is evil. You understand what I'm saying? Right now we're living in a world where only the evil have money and want money. And that's why we see in on our TVs, on our radios, and our record stations, record companies. That's why we see an evil just come out because only the evil have money. Because the righteous don't want no money. The righteous don't want to start no business. And if they got a business, the righteous don't want to go up and in their business. The righteous don't want to be in Fortune 500. The righteous don't want to own a TV station, and that's why all the stations are wicked. The righteous don't want to have a record company. That's why all the music is wicked. The righteous don't want to own a clothing line. That's why all the clothing line is immodest. Because the righteous say that money is evil. And the moment somebody gets some money, us in the church, we judge them. They're worldly and they're evil. Now, some of us are so hypocritical. We can have money, but nobody else can. <laughs> now, the man make the same as you a year. <laughs> but somehow, his money that he make is evil. <laughs> it's not money that's evil. Church, church, listen. Say it with me. Money is not evil. Oh, wait, wait, wait. We got to say that again. Come on, because this is going to do something for you this weekend. Say, money is not evil. Money is a tool. And I want my toolbox full of tools. Oh, y'all, 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 y'all better. 
You think they get me, Misha? I hope they get me, because you can't go to work with no tools. You ever saw a man show up to the job with no tools? You better get out of here, boy. Hey, look, let's start back tomorrow. We done messed up our appreciation of money. And we got to get a mind reset, especially in the church. Because out of all the people on the earth, guess who God wants to have the money most? You. He said the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the who? The right. Oh, come on, somebody. If he could just get the righteous to get their mind right. You see? But it's the love of money. It's when you love it. That's the root of all evil. You see? Pastor, how do I know when I love that money? I'm glad you asked me. Y'all want to talk about that? Let's talk about that for a little while. I got a little time. How do I know when I love money? Well, Pastor, you already talked about how I know when, when I love the world, but no, we got to deal with this money particular. Because this money, it could be a problem if you don't know how to handle it. If you don't know how, where to put it in your heart. This thing could be a problem for you, man. And we live our lives, and some of us have a money anointing. <laughs> some of us have a money anointing. And when you don't understand money and the purpose of it and the use of it, and your theology is messed up to think that somehow money is evil, you run away from your anointing. You run away from your calling. You run away from your blessing. You see? God don't mind you having it. He don't want it to have you. You see what I'm saying? Come on, church. Y'all just, just stay with me now. Stay with me. Because when you change your mind on it, as a man think it, so is he. All I got to do is change your mind tonight. And it's going to affect your bank account for the rest of the week. All, all I got to do is change your mind. If you change your mind tonight and say, God, I don't mind having it. And I know I'm not evil because I have it. Come on, say it with me. Say, God, I don't mind if you bless me with some money. Oh, I, I, I. <laughs> say it with me. Say, I know, I know. Money, money is not evil, is not evil. and can't make, me evil. can't make me evil, but I won't love it, won't love it. and I'll always keep you first, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Come on, give God some glory. It's a mind thing, minister. We can have as much of it, much of it as we want. But you can't love it. I mean, you could walk through a room full of it and just keep walking. You don't even worry about it. But some of y'all be swimming up in there like Scrooge Duck. Y'all up in there like ducktails, jumping in and, ooh, you know? All right, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. How do I know when I love money? Oh, number one, when you do anything for it when you do anything for it. 
in business, they teach us that everybody has a price. Everybody. And in my years here living here and being in some very, very big circles, I have seen people, people surrender the greatest morals and beliefs for a price. I've seen it in the courtrooms. I've seen it in the jail. I've seen it all over the place, man. Listen, they say that everybody has a price. And the reason they could say that, amen, is because they hadn't come in contact with too many people that don't love money. See, when you don't love money, you don't have a price, bread. They can't, they can't buy you because, hey, God, you already bought by the cross of Calvary. Anybody hear me up in here? So you don't have a price. If you believe in something strongly enough, no matter what amount of money they give you, they can't shake you. You see, you love it when you do anything for it. You see? And so you got to ask yourself, if God tell you not to, how much would it cost for you to do it? How much would it cost? If they give you a million, you'd do it? If God told you not to, if they gave you a billion, would you do it? And the right answer is no, because when you, when, when you send to get money, the money going to have strings. Ooh! You see, it's the blessing of the Lord that make it rich and added no sorrow. But all that other money, and I, I, I got a bunch of hustlers in here tonight that'll tell you that that money always came with sorrow. It always came with sorrow. But you love it when you do anything for it. Back in the day, they had an old myth in Spain about a city called El Dorado. Huh? It was supposed to be a city made of gold, a whole city. Huh? And the tale was the king of that city, a God, would would hey, God sprinkle gold dust on himself, and he'd walk around. Everything was made out of gold, clothes, and he'd, 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 he'd swim in everything. And it was just a myth. But the Spaniards in Spain, they believed that myth. And what they did was they sent ships, they sent, they sent men, the famous conquistadors, huh? They sent them. And they, they, they marching through uh, uh, South America and Mexico, dealing with the Incas, and they looking for El Dorado. Huh? And they would, they would spend so much money sending ships. They spent so much money looking for El Dorado. If they would have just saved that money, they would have had their El Dorado. Anybody hear me up in here? But they was doing anything for it, and they lost people on the way. And when they got here, the men would come out, the soldiers, and they would go in the woods and they would march for months looking for El Dorado. They'd go in with their fancy Spanish attire, armor, gold, everything, weapons. They'd spend a month in the, in the woods, in the Amazon as though it were. They'd come out in rags, crawling out the woods. Just three of them from a thousand men making. And, and, and guess what the Spaniards would do? Send another army back in there. Send another one. It got so bad, they ran into the Incas, and, the, and they, would, they would ask them, tell us where El Dorado is. And the Incas, on first, were going to tell them, there's no such thing as El Dorado. They're lying. Torture them until they tell us. So the Incas said, well, I guess if we, 
We tell them anything they want. Well, it's over here, over to the right here. It's down this waterfall. And so they go on on wild goose chases, wild goose chases. And they never found El Dorado. And what most people don't realize was that Spain was a superpower at one time. It was like Great Britain. It was like America now. You know what brought Spain to its knees economically? Looking for El Dorado. When you'll do anything for money, it means that you love it too much. Come on, give y'all some glory, amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. When you don't want to lose money, huh? Because the thing about money is money is a currency. Currency is water. You ever try holding water in your head for so long? What happened? It go. Bible said money is sprout wings, riches sprout wings, and it fly away. But some people that love it too much, you know what they're trying to do? They try to hold on to it too hard. That's when you love it too much. You hold on to it too much. You see? They had a, they had a man, hallelujah, he, he, he was a miser. He, he just loved money so bad. And he had a house where he kept all his treasures at, and one day he went there. And there was a tiger out there. A tiger grabbed him and ran in the woods with him. His son came. And his son was looking for him, heard him screaming in the woods, running out there with his gun. Hallelujah, trying to find that tiger, trying to find him. So he see it. His daddy's still alive. Huh? He said, you know, he, he, he hollering his daddy, daddy, I got you. I'm, I'm going to get it. I, I got you, daddy. I got you. His daddy said, son, don't shoot him. That hide is worth money. Don't shoot him. If you shoot him, don't ruin the hide. Don't put no holes in that beautiful tiger stripe hide. Son didn't know where to shoot him, what to do. Seconds went by. Tiger killed a man. All because he didn't want to lose no money from any kind of deal. You see? When we're in a place where we love it so much and we don't want to lose none of it, we're in a bad place, y'all. You know? There was a story about a, a duchess in England who was, who was building a castle for her husband. Huh? And she was checking every penny on that thing. She burned the architect up. She burned all the workers up. Nothing could be done. A house that was supposed to take a few years wound up taking 20 years to complete. The man who it was supposed to be built for in honor, he died before it was completed because she was calming over everything, making them bring everything back and doing this and doing that. Don't want to lose a single cent. There's also the bargain devil, they call him. Huh? What's that, Pastor? They don't want to pay no money for anything. You see? They want to bargain everybody. A penny candy is a penny. You understand what I'm saying? I give you a half a penny for the half that... And the Bible talk about that. How people go in wanting to buy something and they say it's false, it's messed up, it's messed up. But after they finally weed them on down, they get it and then they say, ha, hallelujah, I got me a good deal. These greedy, money lovers don't like to pay fair market value for anything. They don't feel right unless they beat somebody. That's when you love it too much. And in the power book, they talk about people like that. When you won't pay for something, you're going to get trashed. 
Are you hearing what I'm talking about? When you love it so much, you can't buy a good car. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to buy something that's going to give you some trouble. It's, it's, it's when you love it so much, you do anything for it, you can't lose it. You can't even disperse it. You can't give it to nobody. You see? There's an old tale about a man who sold everything he had for a lump of gold. He sold his house, he sold everything. And he grabbed that lump of gold and he walked in the, in, in the field and he buried that thing. And he just wanted to look at it. So every day he would come out and he would look at that lump of gold. He wouldn't spend nothing on it. That's like some of y'all accounts. Some of y'all say, don't spend nothing on it. You see? Don't matter if he needed something or what. Listen, he'd be in raggedy rags, but he'd come and just look at his lump of gold. Children need something, it don't matter, just his lump of gold. Wife needs something, it don't matter, his lump of gold. One day the neighbors saw him and saw the exact place he went to. You know that must have been some Hebrew. They saw the exact place he went to. The ball come through that big brother and they steal him. They took that lump of gold. He come through there, he dig up in that field to find his lump of gold, couldn't find it. Pull his hair out of his head, he crying because it was his world. It was everything. One of his wise neighbors said, listen, man, there's no need to cry. Just find you a rock about the same size. <laughs> Painted gold, buried in the same place, and act like it's the lump of gold. Because that lump of gold wasn't worth nothing. Because you wasn't going to spend it anyway. All you wanted to do was look at it. Listen, money is a tool. It's supposed to be spent. It's supposed to be used. And when you do it right, it's going to be used for the glory of God. Amen? To bless the people of God. When I was hungry, you fed me. To give them jobs to do. You see, you could do so much when you don't love it too much. When you won't do anything for it, when you when you when you when you when you when you don't want to just hold it harder to not lose it, but but also when you have a heart that you could use it. You know what I'm saying? So so put look, when you do anything for it, number one, when you don't want to lose it, number two, and number three, hallelujah, when you don't want to use it. All right? And that was the whole thing about the lump of gold. You see what I'm saying? That's when we love money way too much. You see? Well, Demas, y'all, Demas had a problem. And he had a problem with the world, and we don't know exactly what part of the world he had a problem with. But the Bible told us, amen, that Demas had forsaken me, having loved this present world. And I'm going to conclude on this last little point right here, this present world. Y'all still up out there? All right, Phil got me a couple of minutes on that. We're going to rock it out. Is this making sense to y'all a little bit? All right? Just kind of getting our mind right on our theology because what we believe affects how we live. You see? And if God can look down and see somebody faithful when he look at you, he's going to say, they can handle it. I guarantee you that a lot of us, the reason why we don't have our blessing yet it's because God looked down and he see a worldly heart. And he say, if I gave it to him, it would change him. 
and not change because we all change as we live, but change them in a in a in a in a in a demons type of way. You see, so the Bible says that demons have forsaken me, having loved this present world. All right, this phrase, this present world, is a phrase of comparison. Paul wants to compare and contrast a thing. He's saying that demons was loving the now world, the current world, instead of loving the next one. Are you hearing me up in there? You see? The Bible is clear that we can enjoy this place while we're here. We can enjoy the things of it. But we have to love the next place more. You know, we got to love, as the Bible says, we have to love his appearing. You see what I'm saying? You see? Hallelujah. And I told y'all before about that dream that I had. Where God showed me another house that I would have. And he said, you think any of the houses down here, some? He said, you ain't seen your real house. We just passing through this place, man. Are you with me here so far? We just passing through. We we really just passing through. You see? We pilgrims, sojourners. He says, having loved this present, we gotta love the next one. Now that word world, having loved this present world, describes a world system. All right? There's only two words that's used to describe this world. It's eon and uh, cosmos. And they both describe a world system ran by Lucifer, by Satan. He had the head of this system. And it's made up of lost men and women. And it's designed to tempt or solicit our flesh. That's the world system. That's all it is. And that's the one that demon love, demons love. One of our last scriptures we're going to go to, 1 Timothy 2 and 15. Look what he says. John says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You see, that's why I say Demas wasn't saved. Because when you love the world like that, look what John said. The love of the Father not really in you. You see? You got to watch that. If you love it that much, you could not be saved. You see? Why? Why have I loved the world I cannot be saved? Verse 16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. You're loving something that God has nothing to do with. <laughs> the lust of it, the covetousness of it, the pride of it, you ain't got nothing to do with it. You see? So we can't love this system, this cosmos, this eon. We can live in it. We can, we can enjoy some things. We can make us some money. We can build the kingdom of God. We can do some things for God's glory. We can leave an inheritance for our children. We can take care of our families. Huh? But we ain't got to love it, man. Come on, give God some glory, huh? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Yes, I'm almost done, I'm almost done. 
Huh? God has nothing to do with it. Reading on in 1 John 2 and, and, and 17, he tells us not to love it because God has nothing to do with it. And guess what else? And the world passes away. And the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Hallelujah. No matter what we have, worship team, y'all can come. No matter what we have, y'all, no matter what we acquire, all of it is going to pass away. Every single one of them. Every single one. I remember my first car, uh, Chevy Malibu. Bought it for $100, no back seat in it. <laughs> and let me tell you, I was so excited, John. You saw it, John, I drove it to the north side, 10th grade year, baby. It was an old thing. And rain would seep in the truck. And when I would make a quick turn, it would, it would you could hear the water. I didn't have a water bed, I had a water car. And I still put that jam in there. My tens was in a box that floated back there. It was just, and I was knocking, and I was, and I liked that little coat. But guess what happened to that little coat? pass away. I got another one. My brother gave me that spectrum. Huh? Four-door, light blue. He left all the speakers in it. I used to jam, too, bro. Passed by first lady house playing my music. La, 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 la. Watch out, my love. <laughs> but guess what happened to that car? It passed. Got me a Monte Carlo next. Put them trues on there. I was getting a little more hood, Montgomery. I used to like that one, but guess what happened to that one? It passed. And on and on it went. Everything you enjoyed, that alarm is right on time. Everything you enjoyed, it get old, it passed away. So why set your heart on it? You ain't doing nothing but setting your heart on a gallon of milk. A gallon of milk that has an expiration date. Would you ever go in that refrigerator and worship that? No. Because you know next week or next month it'll be gone. That's the world, baby. So have it. Enjoy it. But never love it. Come on, give y'all some glory. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 We're going to pray and get out of here. Hallelujah. I might have kept y'all longer than I wanted to. But understand this. Our first love is Jesus. And it's all because he bled and died on Calvary's hill for all of our sins. The way to be saved and make sure that you're saved. And not to be a demon, y'all. You got to really come to God and admit you're a sinner and believe in his death, his burial, his resurrection. And you confess him as, as your Lord. 
got to tell him you love him more than anything. You see? But when you admit and you believe, God will save you. We're going to pray and we're going to get out of him. Somebody say it with me, Most High. Thank you for loving me. I realize that everything on this earth is glittering dust. It gets old and it passes away. But you are eternal. Now, Lord, I admit I'm not perfect. I've done some wrong. But I believe that you still love me and that you died for my sins and that you rose from the grave and that you're coming back again. Save me. Forgive me. I put you first in my life. Bless me indeed. Enlarge my territory. Give me houses and lands but they'll never take your place because I love you, Jesus, in Jesus' name.